Hey everyone, Gil Gross here, and it is time for a preview of the Gentlemen's Quarterfinals at Wimbledon 2021. A lot of new faces here. It has been a chaotic tournament, as expected. We all knew what to expect coming in, but uh, a lovely lineup of quarterfinal matchups, if I may. And uh, let's start on the top of the draw, make our way down, and that means we begin with the number one overall seed, Novak Djokovic. Taking on, I would say, an established, known danger, but nonetheless an unseated Martan Fucevic. Djokovic has gone through Jack Draper, Kevin Anderson, Dennis Kudla, and Christian Garin, while the Hungarian has gone through Yannick Sinner, Liam Brody, Diego Schwartzman, and Andre Rublev. These guys have played twice before, and the head-to-head -head is 2-0 Djokovic. Most notably, and the match that I remember, is the 2018 U.S. Open, and uh, worth just recounting what happened there as Fucevic gave Novak a bit of a scare in the first round. It was sweltering hot in New York, and Fucevic won the second set. He had chances in the third set, was in a good position there, but ended up running out of gas losing the third 6-4 and the fourth 6-love. Again, heat was a big factor here, and Fucevic's fitness was uh, a real, uh, you know, a real uh, advantage for him early on in the humidity, but then he ended up getting more tired by the end of it. Anyway, Fucevic is a, a great defender, and he is a fitness monster, but against a guy like Novak, who moves the ball around the court so well, who is so consistent and so good at sustaining aggression, if you end up really relying on your defense, you're going to get worn down because you're just not going to get those mistakes. You're not going to extract those mistakes, and you're not going to get the errors from Novak really through your defense. So in my opinion, if Fucevic wants to maintain his energy levels throughout the match, he's going to need to not rely too heavily heavily on his defensive capabilities. And to do that, he really needs to use his forehand because Fucevic's backhand isn't bad, but it's not very heavy at all, and it just doesn't do much damage, generally speaking. So what Novak's going to do is he's going to defend to that side, and more importantly, he's going to trade to that side. And at this level, if you don't have a very high weight of shot against a player like Novak, that is the side Novak's going to go to, and he's going to look for that weak incoming ball and attack off of that. So I don't know if Fucevic is going to be able to hit his backhand well enough to avoid that, but what he definitely needs to do in order to get avoid in order to avoid getting moved around like a puppet all around the court is he's going to need to be very opportunistic on his forehand. And let's see if his forehand has that level. Sometimes I think it's really great, sometimes it's less good. The inside-in forehand is his best attacking forehand. And I think he should try to use his cross-court slice, just like he did against Andrei Rublev, to try to find those runaround forehands. So let's see if he can do that successfully. It's a tactic that, that can work against Novak. But also, can Fucevic find the consistency on his forehand? Because sometimes it's a little bit hit or miss. I don't consider Fucevic to be a great finisher. So 
look for Novak's defense to obviously make that extra difficult. And I'm wondering how many errors from winning positions we might see from Marton. Again, if he's at his best, you know, I'm sure he'll he'll answer the bell and he will land those aggressive forehands, but it could go either way is what I'm trying to say. Obviously, both Novak and Martin are extremely well-rounded players, so I expect this to be the most entertaining Djokovic match of the tournament. Um, So we have that to look forward to. It's the first time Fucevic is in a quarterfinal. He has had nerve issues before, so it's definitely an advantage in the Djokovic corner if things get tight that I'm sure Novak will will be able to play a little bit looser in those moments. I'm picking Djokovic because he's better in every single area. It's another one of these matches. But Fucevic is just a more well-rounded player with a bigger serve, less weaknesses, um, and just has a higher peak level compared to a guy like uh, Christian Garin or uh, definitely a guy like, like Dennis Kudla. So... Uh, I think a, a better match, a more entertaining match, but Novak through uh, without much hesitation. The next quarterfinal for on the top half is Denis Shapovalov and Karen Hatchinov. Hatchinov with an impressive tournament. He's taken out three Americans, Mackie McDonald in the first round, non-American, Jaresimov in the second, Tiafo and Sebastian Korda. Hatchinov is serving bigger than normal, and he's been more consistent on his forehand. Excellent tennis, really, by the Russian. Shapovalov had a five-setter with Cole Schreiber in the first round. He got a walkover from Pablo Andujar. Then he beat Andy Murray in straights, and he beat RBA in straights. So seven sets on the trot for the Canadian. His firepower is being rewarded by the grass, and the consistency has certainly been there, and that's going to be the key. Head-to-head is 1-0 in favor of Chapo Davis Cup 2019. It was a uh, a tight three sets. That was famously the Davis Cup that I couldn't watch because it wasn't on American television. I have no recollection of that match. Um, but my biggest concern for Shapovalov remains his return of serve on this surface. I just think that is the one thing that could be the weak link. And this is the first time that he'll be asked to deal with someone who serves in the 120s regularly. You know, Andy Murray has a decent first serve when it comes to pop, RBA, in a similar vein. It's decent, but Hatchinov is definitely a step up, and we talked about it in the quarter match, actually, how, you know, one to three miles per hour, that can make all the difference when it comes to return of serve. So here comes a big test for the Chapo return of serve, and I think Hatchinov has done such a good job getting his returns in play as well, and Shapovalov has at times struggled with his first serve percentage. So I do see a world that Hatchinov is getting way more returns in play than Shapo is. And that, to me, is the Russian's path to winning the match. In terms of what Shapo can do well to bother Hatchinov, well, Hatchinov's biggest concern on a quick surface is his pace absorption. And he was outplayed by Korda in the baseline, for my opinion. He looked like the underpowered player of the two in the baseline rallies. And Chapo brings even more pace to the table. He can rush that forehand side, possibly, can do more damage off the ground, hits to smaller targets more with more confidence, and just plays a better aggressive baseline game where Hatchinov can get a little bit passive and he might be uh, having to play more defense. 
I don't think Shapo will be rushed on the backhand side, on the contrary. So I think Shapovalov can rush Hachinov on his forehand with the long forehand, but I don't think Karen can rush Shapo on the backhand because I don't think Hachinov takes the ball early enough on the forehand or hits big enough on that forehand cross-court. Also, Hachinov's backhand is regularly cross-court, especially when he's trading and defending. And if he can't keep Shapovalov honest by redirecting down the line, Dennis will get comfortable controlling the point from the ad side with his forehand. I also think there's a mental edge to the Canadian. I get the sense that he just believes in himself a little bit more, and I don't think that his struggles, his mental struggles, have come from confidence. I think that they've come from players, the the elite players who are defending and moving and being consistent. I think it's more of a shot selection and consistency thing, but I really do think that Shapo fully believes in himself where Hachinov has gotten to stages and gotten to big matches where I feel like he's missing a little bit of belief. I've sensed that. And I also think that there could be mental fatigue for Hatchinov. I kind of think he'll recover physically from the five-setter against Korda, but there's no guarantee. That's just a hunch. We'll see. Mentally, could he come out flat? Could he just be a little bit exhausted from, from that epic five-setter? I also think that's a possibility. So... I do see a path to victory for Hachinov. It is dominating the serve return battle, making way more returns in play. But I see a lot more in favor of Shapovalov. I'm picking Shapo. I will say I'm a little bit surprised by the betting market. And I think, although I think Shapo will win the match, I'm surprised he is as heavy a favorite as he is. Moving on to the bottom half of the draw, FAA Berrettini. Berrettini is on a 12-set winning streak. He lost the first set to Guido Pela in the first round. Won it in four. Since then, got through Van de Zanskulp, Bedene, Avashka. FAA had a very straightforward match with Montero in the first round, then went five sets with Emer, got the injury against Kyrgios after dropping the first set, and then just won a five-setter against Alexander Zverev. Again, I've said this before. I got to keep it real with you guys. I have yet to be impressed with uh, a complete performance at Wimbledon for FAA, starting with the Emer match. With that being said, if you just zoom out a little bit, you look at what he's done at Stuttgart. You look at what he did in Halle. Overall, he's in undeniably great form. He's picked up some really good wins. Obviously, Federer, Umber, uh, Sam Query, as I'll get to, uh, you know, He's playing. He's played a lot of his best tennis in the last month. I just think with the pressure on in this best of five format at at Wimbledon, his opponents have melted a little bit. Zverev's serve completely went away. Uh, Kyrgios obviously got injured, and Emer didn't melt. Emer played his best tennis, but I just don't think that should have gone five. I think FAA should have should have won that a little bit more easily. His head to head one zero. Uh, over Berrettini, or excuse me, 1-0 in favor of Berrettini. They played in the Stuttgart final in 2019. I think I was I watched that from an airport in Amsterdam. Just the, the weird things you remember, right? Um, it was a, a tight second set tiebreak that I think Berrettini won 11-9. Matteo is the hottest server in the game right now. He hasn't been challenged yet at Wimbledon. He wasn't really challenged at Queens, but we haven't really seen him against elite competition. So we, you know, we're, I, I'm still waiting to see that personally, 
But uh, if he keeps up this serving level, we're going to have to stop calling him the hottest server in the game, and we'll have to just start calling him the best server in the game. When it comes to FAA's return, I'm not, I don't have a, a positive hardline stance on it because I want to see more, but I think it's really good. I do. Uh, he beat Query in Stuttgart. That's a similar opponent, but I think FAA's athleticism really serves him well on the return. He covers large portions of the service box, in my opinion, difficult to ace, keeps his swings nice and short. And I'm intrigued to see how it holds up against Mateo. I think it's a pretty good return. Do I think it's the level, the elite, elite level of return that is going to give Berrettini major issues like a Novak? No, but I do think it's pretty good and it could give him a chance. And if he loses this match, I don't think it's going to be because he didn't return well enough. Regardless, I think Berrettini's matches come with extremely thin margins and you have to expect him to hold serve at a pretty high frequency against 99% of players. And Felix is in that 99, in my opinion. So if the margins are going to be that thin, and I think Felix's best chance is to bring Berrettini to tie breaks, thin margins, you must limit mistakes on your serve. You cannot make egregious unforced errors because you may not get chances to break back. And I think FAA could get is a little bit more comfortable against some opponents where he can play a loose service game and just get the break back against Berrettini. It's going to be all about that, keeping that level of focus and limiting those mistakes because you might, again, you might never get a chance to break. So you have to stay sharp. And I don't really think that FAA is consistent enough right now to win this kind of match. He just needs to miss less forehands. If if he makes his forehands, it's a different story. Uh, both of these players are the same way. They want to hit a serve, and then they want to hit a forehand to finish. And Mateo's forehand is just less mistake-prone, plain and simple. Um, I also think Berrettini is playing with an impressive swagger under pressure. He's really fearless, playing his style at all times. When I think Felix can still get tight, he's getting better. I was very impressed with how he served out the match in the fifth set against Verev at 5-4, but I still don't think the, the nerve management issues are past him. He's taking those baby steps, however, is the 20-year-old. So I have Berrettini coming through. For Federer and Hercotch. It's still, uh, man, I mean, it really it really looked like Medvedev for a while, but Hercotch, uh goes through a, a very impressive tournament with just one win from Miami, from winning Miami to Wimbledon. Just one victory. Uh, he comes to the All-England Club, beats Musetti, beats Guillaume, beats Bublik, and beats Daniil Medvedev with a fantastic game plan and execution, low approach shots, safe stick volleys, and very solid, mistake-free tennis coming into the indoor conditions on Tuesday after getting the match delayed was the much sharper player, the much better player than Medvedev on the second day of that match. Meanwhile, Roger Federer escaped the first round against Manorino uh, after Manorino had to retire after slipping. Then he beats Gasquet, Nori, and Sinego. Those were all much more straightforward performances. And Roger Federer is getting better and better each match. I want to start with the Roger Federer game plan because I'm pretty confident that I know what Lubacic and him are going to be cooking up. I think this is going to be the game plan. Against Hercotch, you go soft stuff to the backhand, 
hard stuff to the forehand. The backhand is a flat shot. He wants to um, he wants to hit the ball at a higher contact point so he can kind of rip through that flat, straight trajectory. He doesn't want to hit up on the ball because that's that means he's not going to be able to hit it as hard because he doesn't have that topspin to bring the ball down. So Federer, I think, is going to keep it low and soft, make Hercotch generate, create the pace off of the backhand from a low contact position, and that's going to make Hercotch very, very uncomfortable. However, if you're going to attack Hercotch with the hard stuff, if you're going to try to hit through him, Hercotch has tremendous defense on the backhand side, even at six foot five. He's great with the open stance backhand, and he's not going to give you that high, loopy clay court defense on the backhand. Um, he's going to give you perfect and beautiful grass court defense, keeping it very, very low, cross court, hitting it rather hard, and just that almost, uh, I don't know if I want to call it penetrating defense, but defending low instead of defending high. Kirkoch just defends the backhand so well. So you want to go soft the backhand, then you want to hammer the forehand, which is defensively the weaker side, but offensively... Um, the backhand is the weaker side. So junk, slice, short, low, not a lot of pace to the backhand, then hard, you know, topspin, flat, drive to the forehand. That's the game plan in my opinion. Uh, Federer will keep Hercotch far away from the net with his quality of shot and his forward court positioning, unlike what Daniil Medvedev was uh, allowing Hercotch to do to move forward with his deep position um, and his uh, more passive defensive return style. Um, I don't expect Federer to be bothered with how low Hercotch keeps the ball. Federer has the option of going to the backhand slice, and he has the eastern grip on the forehand, which makes him so good on the low ball balls. One thing Hercotch will do is serve pretty big at Federer. Roger needs to do the same thing that he did against Sinego, blunt the pace, keep it low, and he should be able to get in the rallies. The biggest advantage for Hercotch is his consistency. I'm pretty confident that he'll be able to keep his error count below Federer's. So if Federer plays a set like he did in the first set against Lorenzo Sinego, and Federer is making a lot of errors on his forehand, I think there's no way Federer wins that set against a guy like Hercotch, who's just not going to make as many mistakes as Sinego did. So consistency is advantage to the pole, but a lot of things, in my opinion, in Federer's favor. I am picking Federer. I think there's a lot of ways that he can use his skill set to uh, disrupt the pole and end the great run of form. It's been a great run for, it is a great run for Hercotch. I'm very happy for his success. And uh, and Federer's as well, who also, some people were doubting him that he would make the quarterfinal. But I do think it is Federer who will be the one to make the final four. Those are my picks. Make sure you're following me at Twitter, uh, on Twitter, at Gil underscore Gross. I will be live tweeting, of course, during the matches, and I'll have post-match analysis for you on the channel. Hope you enjoyed. Don't forget to subscribe. I'll see you next time. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. 
And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.